My name is Aldo Gandia. This is GTF, Gabriel Talks Football. And I just want to let you know that yesterday on The Bar Room, we had the second episode of The Bear Debate, Debate, <laughs> The Bear Debate, The Bear Debate uh, with Swift from the Swift Football uh, Network, Sports Network, that is. And uh, my man, Mr. Shorty from The Bears uh, Country Podcast. It was a super fun show. If you did not see it already, it is on demand. Take a look at it. And then l- later tonight at 8 p.m., it'll be Dan and me and Johnny Santucci talking Chicago Bears football. But right now, you are here to talk with this man, Greg Gabriel. Greg, how are you, my friend? I'm fine. How about you, Grandpa? <laughs> yeah, I am... Uh, I am really a happy sucker, man. This little kid is uh, the pride and joy. He actually looks like me. Uh, I'm the only one that thinks that way, but I'm going to continue to think that way until he's 20. Hey. Uh, you know what? I, I look at babies like, who do you think it looks like? I don't know. It looks like a baby. That's right. They, they all look like I, I, I don't, unless it really, really is obvious, I can't tell. Yeah. And, and then they change so much. But aren't, aren't, aren't grandkids the best? Oh, my goodness. Absolutely. You got a way to go. I got a dozen. So, you got, uh, oh my gosh, a dozen. <laughs> that's got to be really rough around birthday and Christmas time, huh? Hey, well, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> and and two of my grandkids from Buffalo are coming in Thursday morning to spend a while. What? Because they don't, they don't start school in, in New York State until after Labor Day. Mm-hmm. So it's not like here where they start up next week, I think. So, yeah. uh, that uh, it, it'll be fun to see them because I haven't seen them in a year. Well, uh, with 12, is it easy to remember all their names? Uh, no, <laughs> I've got a niece who has kids and she's named them all from biblical names that are very obscure, like Azariah. And, and that's the only one that I can remember. She's the oldest daughter. After that, the f- four other ones that she has, I can't remember their names. <laughs> well, Layla and Alina are coming this week. And they're easy to remember. Yeah. I uh, I nicknamed one of them 26 and Cal because he's always getting in trouble. And so that's probably where he's going to end up most of his life over at the penitentiary. At, at 26 <laughs> <and Cal. laughs> All right. Let's talk football. Um, I want to start with Roquan Smith. That's how today's press conference with Matt Eberflus started. Lots of questions regarding uh, Roquan. I, I almost felt sorry for the head coach of the Chicago. You know, he, you know he should just say, I'm not answering Roquan questions until he signs a contract and then Mm -hmm. I'll answer them. And then just, you know, cause the, the media can be so antagonizing and how about this? And I know it's a little bit off track. Mm -hmm. So yesterday, you know, they got Kyler Gordon in there. Very first question. What's your injury? Mm -hmm. And, and, and he of course says, well, you'll have to ask coach. Now they already know that the, these kids aren't allowed to say what their their injury is. Right, it's a rule. Why are they trying to get the, the kid fined mm-hmm. for saying that you know for for having a slip of tongue and, and saying what injury he might have? I, it, it's it, it baffles me. Yeah, I, I I it's frustrating to see as a fan because you just know he's not going to ask. And if one reporter asks the question, why why is it going to be brought up again in the press conference, and why is it going to be brought up again? a day or two later. It's just a waste of the precious time that you have with the head coach of the Chicago Bears. But 
Um, we all we all have complaints about the media. There was one question that he was asked about whether uh, Quan is a distraction, given all of the stuff that's been happening uh, with this agent calling around all thirty-two teams, and we'll talk about no, that. No, let's correct that. He's not an agent. He's not an. Thank you for thank you for correcting me. He's not an agent. Uh, let's listen to this. is very short. Eberflus talking about distractions. Mm. I see the guys are focused. I see that they're ready, like I said, focused on Seattle, focused on our first road trip together, um, and wired in that way. Greg, have you ever been involved in a situation where somebody on the team was a holdout? I, I remember uh, Briggs was a holdout uh, a number of seasons. And did you ever- well, no, that, that wasn't a hold. That happened. It was in free agency, and he was an RFA. Oh, that's right. And, and then Kansas City came in at the last minute and gave him an offer. Mm-hmm. And, and we waited until I mean we we knew right away we were going to match the offer or at least within 24 hours but we mm-hmm. waited until the deadline just to bust Kansas City's balls. Yeah. Do 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 you feel that that can be distracting for some players, you know, they're off to themselves talking about man, we need this guy back or wow, did you see that what he said or what what came out and stuff? You know, my experience with that is the players all realize the business side mm-hmm. and that's like, let them take care of business. So when he's, when he's gets that taken care of, he'll be ready to go. Mm-hmm. It's not like you got a bunch of guys. Like I, I, I think I said it on earlier shows back when I was with the giants and, and this, and it's slowly, but surely dwindled down. And now there's virtually no holdouts, but we used to have a dozen mm-hmm. and, and, you, you knew that they'd start to trickle in after about the second preseason game because they knew they had to have a few weeks to get ready for for uh, the regular season and, and wanted to have that. But at the same time, they wanted to miss all those double sessions you had during the first three weeks of camp. So, right. uh, you know, they, they looked at it as just extended vacation. You know, from the off season, we knew exactly what was going on. And and sometimes they weren't that far apart. Now, somebody has the the Benson error up there. Now, now that was a different story because you didn't have a a rookie salary cap back then. Right. He just mentioned that we have now. And and Eugene Parker was the uh, uh, the late Eugene Parker was a good friend of mine. He was the agent. But Eugene is a he was a great man, but he's a very hard guy to deal with when when Eugene had a dollar figure in his mind, he wasn't budging off that thing. Oh, is that right? <laughs> oh, no. I, and, and, and he'd wait until he got the money he wanted. Interesting. Now, do you know this guy, uh, St. Omni? He is a not a certified player agent, but he is the director of football at Lifeline Financial Group. So he probably manages players' money and so forth. Do you know of him or anything about him? And Never uh, heard of him until yesterday. Now, I'm going to say this, too, because this is kind of important. So you have to have the approval to handle a player's money. You have to have the approval of the players association. Hmm. I can't just go to a player and say, Hey, I got some good investments for you. Mm-hmm. You want to, you got to go through and be, not be licensed by the players association, but be approved to make sure you're above board. And even when that happens, there's guys that get taken. Well, you know, he, he I'm sorry. St. Omni probably is because he helped uh, the Seahawks first round pick Charles Cross 
with his contract. Didn't act as an agent, but did get give Cross advice on this. This according to a report on ESPN today. So at least that must might be on the up and up if he is managing any of Roquan's money. But it still is very bizarre, isn't it? Well, number one, you know, like there were some things that, that on Twitter, some you know, teams could get in trouble for talking to this guy. Mm-hmm. I, I think the whole purpose of the memo was, well, let, let me back up. Here's what I think what happened. Of course, I don't know for sure. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows you got a book with agents' names and you know who, who the agents are. Mm-hmm. And, if, and if somebody calls you and you don't recognize the name, right away you're pulling out the agent book to find out if this guy is, in fact, a certified agent. If you're, mm-hmm. And if he's not, the discussion ends. I cannot believe for one second that a team actually got into trade negotiations with this guy because nobody in the league is that stupid. Mm-hmm. So, oh. And I also believe that as soon as this guy called one or two teams, those teams immediately called the Bears and called the league office and called the Players Association. Mm-hmm. And then they sent out the memo just as a warning, just in case. Hey, look at this guy's not affiliated with the Players Association. He's not a certified agent. You're not allowed to talk to him. He's not allowed to deal and 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 help out Roquan Smith as far as negotiating a contract. Mm. Now, um, a few weeks ago, maybe a couple of weeks ago, uh, you sent out a tweet saying, "Take it easy, everybody. This will get worked out." Do you still feel that way, given what has transpired the last two weeks? Yeah, and and I'll tell you why. He he's well. He he doesn't want to get fined, so he's still sitting in in camp. But he he's going to meetings. They're taking him on the trip to Seattle. You know, it's not mm-hmm. like they're leaving him behind. So that tells you yeah. that that things aren't as bad as it may look. Yeah, they're not together on the dollar figure yet. But, you know, this happened with a few players last year. I, I don't know when the exact date J.J. Watt uh, signed his contract with Pittsburgh last year, but I know he missed at least one preseason game. Mm-hmm. And speaking of preseason game, preseason games last year, there was only three last year, but they were a little different. Mm-hmm. This year you have three preseason games and then two weeks until – you know, the opening day and last year you have the last preseason and the next week you played your, your first game. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's going to, that difference. And I know I'm getting off track from your question, but that one week difference I think is going to have make a lot of things different in that final preseason game where, you know, you used to keep all starters out of that last game. Mm-hmm. Well, now with two weeks to go, it wouldn't shock me if you start seeing some starters in those games. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, this whole three preseason game thing is is a new uh, way of looking at things, and I, I don't think every coach is handling it the same way. You know, they're you, not. Yeah, they're not. Which is very interesting because in years past, the four preseason games, you know, you pretty much knew that that third game you were going to have the starters go for three quarters, and then on on the fourth preseason game, casual fans wouldn't recognize anybody on the, on the football field. Uh, but now it's it's a bit different. I'll tell you what. Uh, when I was working for the Giants, so this goes back, and I remember exactly what year it was. It was 1986. Mm-hmm. We played used to play six preseason games. Mm-hmm. 
and we're on the road and I think we're playing Cincinnati or somebody. I don't remember the team, but, and I'm on the road and I was able to pick up the game on the radio and we're halfway through the, the third quarter in the sixth preseason game. And Parcells is still playing all the starters. Oh my goodness. <laughs> and I'm like, what the hell is he doing now? Hey, we went out and won a Super Bowl that year. So he had to be doing something right. <laughs> as well um lots of questions coming in, in the chat and i'm saving them up uh, for a little later in the show uh yeah i remember the era of six preseason games and thinking to myself holy cow it's like almost there was 12 regular season games and six preseason games i'm wondering to myself that is kind of bizarre as a 10 year old watching football but uh they smarten up and three is more than enough do, do you think we'll ever see a time where we'll there'll only be two preseason games and maybe even less or none? Um, well, I think there's always going to be something. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it wouldn't shock me if, if we end up going down to two. And if that's the fact, I think you're going to have even more joint practices mm-hmm. and scrimmages within those joint practices just so your players get the work. The only time, in my opinion anyway, the only time, the only good thing about a preseason game is right now is that you can tackle. <laughs> and because nobody tackles anymore, you know, and yeah. you, there are a few places where there's some live tackling, mm-hmm. but most places I would say 28 out of the 32 teams don't allow tackling. Yeah. It, uh, including uh, Mike Tomlin of the Steelers. He's probably, he's become becoming infamous for there not being any hitting in practice. Um, and some of the players are a little bewildered by that. In any case, uh, let's talk about Tevin Jenkins and the offensive line. Uh, you wrote a column for the Windy City Gridiron uh, the uh, August 15th, so that's two days ago, yesterday morning. And then in that column, you write about Tevin Jenkins should move inside. And guess what happened? <laughs> well, it's funny because I wrote that literally. I, I got up and I started writing it at 6.30. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it took me about an hour or something. I sent it at 7.30, and I said – and here's what why I, I felt that. I, I thought that he struggled a little bit in pass protection. Mm-hmm. And, and struggle might not be the right word, but he gave up three pressures by mm-hmm. my count. Mm-hmm. And all of it was on the same type of thing, speed to the outside, where and, – and you can correct that with – uh, adjusting your pass set, maybe taking a little more lateral type pass set or whatever, but he was getting beat to the outside, gave up three pressures, didn't give up the sack, which was fine, but his run blocking was outstanding. Mm-hmm. And then there was times when he had a pull. And when he pulled, he got out in space well, adjusted on the move, had a productive block. So I'm thinking right away, this is a no-brainer. Mm-hmm. You want to get him on the field. He, he might be the best run blocker the Bears have. Move him inside to guard. Mm. And then it, it, it's not like it's never happened before. It's not that hard of an adjustment. Mm-hmm. And the problem he has with pass pro with wide speed, you, you take away that problem because nobody can take that wide rush coming from the inside. It's more of what you, the problem you could have is being alert for the loop stunts coming, you know, starting on the outside, coming back to the inside or whatever. But uh, the overall 
idea of pass protection is easier for an inside guy than it is for a tackle because you're not on that island, so to speak. Right. Brandon Thorne uh, on Twitter uh, posted the clips from Jenkins' performance on Saturday. And for the most part, I think I think he picked every positive clip uh, of Jenkins' performance. There's number 76 at the right tackle position. Nice footwork there, nice balance. There he is on a uh, – uh, on the uh, far outside edge. Uh, but yeah, overall, I was fairly impressed with his performance given the disruptive nature of his training camp so far. I thought he came in and did a fairly good job. Right. Well, you know, now you go back and you look at it mm-hmm. and you say, okay, what was, look at the movement he's, he's getting in those run blocks. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that's impressive. And now you put him on some of those big elephants that you got playing inside and he'll be able to generate some movement with those guys. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and these pulls, every time he did a pull, like right there, mm-hmm. he makes contact and, and, you know, he's has to hit smaller, more agile football players when you get out in space like that. And then, and that's a good job. But I think you go back to the beginning where this thing started two weeks ago and, uh, you know, he was hurt, and then there's this uh, stuff about him being immature and stuff. The more I think about it, it was like purposely done to light a fire. Mm, I like that. You I know, think. and basically publicly call him out. Mm. And uh, let's see how he's going to respond. And to date, since he came back to practice last week, he's responded pretty darn well. Yeah. It's a, now, he's, he's got to continue, obviously. Right. But, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, there's nothing wrong with playing. In fact, I was surprised being that he hasn't had that much practice mm-hmm. that he got the number of snaps that he got. He got a huge number of snaps on Saturday. He sure did. And it looks like he's going to get more, and he'll get him on the inside. This is uh, Cody White here talking about Tevin Jenkins. I guess you see the way he studies. Um, you know, the way he answers questions is very detailed. When when a coach asks him a question, he, he answers it to the most detailed version that, uh, you know, he can answer. And, you know, I think it speaks to him athletically too. Um, you know, he's, he's a big guy. Um, you know, and like I talked about, it's it's – the guards' responsibility to obviously secure the first level, but then, you know, sustain a block at the second level. And, you know, he's he's athletic enough to do that. Um, you know, so I think that's a tribute to him. I think that's really going to be his best position, Greg. I, I think uh, playing the guard is going to be a godsend. He's going to lock down that right guard position, uh, at least for this season and maybe beyond. Well, it's not, it's not to say that he can't eventually play tackle. I mean, it's happened. There's a lot of times, and it happened more so before than it does now, mm-hmm. is that you draft a tackle, play him inside for a year or two, and then move him back outside. And the main purpose for doing that was, number one, get him experience, and number two, give him confidence. Mm-hmm. And then when you move him back outside to where he was in college, it just seems a lot easier. When I was with the Giants, we did it a couple times, draft mm-hmm. an offensive lineman early, and, and we had him play inside early. And it just got them on the field right away instead of having to, you know, wait their turn to play. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think about what Berlissimo says here, uh, uh, switching topics quickly? He believes that Kramer has that we are going to stash him on the injury report <laughs> injury. Uh, that Liz Frank that was reported today, you retweeted the Brad Biggs uh, 
uh, uh, tweet on that. Do you think that this is one of those mystery Ill, uh, uh, injuries? Oh, uh, Liz Frank is a, is a, can be a serious injury. Those yeah. usually require surgery. All right. Scotty Pippen had it for the Chicago Bulls, and I know it affected his play for a year or so. And, you know, it, it most come back from it. It's about a four month injury. Mm-hmm. You know, depending on how bad, you know, it's in the joint of your feet, mm-hmm. and and um, you know, depending on how how bad the you know dislocation, separation, however you want to call it, is in that joint, then um, that can can affect the timeline. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did not think that he was ready to be a 53-man roster guy. Mm-hmm. I thought he did play pretty good on Saturday, but he didn't play as good as Mustafer. Right. And <laughs> that's going to anger a lot of people here on that. Oh, I, I, you know, I, I said there's nothing wrong with Mustafer's play on, on Saturday. He played good football. I was disappointed in Schofield. Mm-hmm. Uh he gave up the one sack and, and part of that, I mean, number one, he gave it up to a, a pro bowl level defensive tackle. So that that's going to happen, but it was really great technique by Jones. Jones came up and right away took away the right arm of Schofield. So mm-hmm. he couldn't punch with it. Mm-hmm. You know, he just like grabbed it and held it back. And so yeah. he, he, he turned Schofield into a one arm man for that particular play. And then because he had the right hand, he was able to turn his shoulder and get right by him, mm-hmm. you know? So it, it was a great play on, on Jones part, but at the same time, you can't have a guy who's supposed to be your starting guard get beat that easily. And he got beat on a rundown um, on a run block pretty easily. One time, aside from those two plays, his play wasn't that bad, but it's the misses that really jump out because th- that can make the difference between a sack or a big play. You know, if four guys on the offensive line block good on one play and one guy misses his assignment, you get nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, you wrote in the Windy City at the Windy City Gridiron that overall you were not as impressed as you, as you hoped to be. Uh, um, paraphrasing here, uh, with the offensive line's play, that there was a lack of cohesion, I think was the word you used. Yeah. Well, part of it, I think, is, is you know, you had you practice all offseason with Lucas Patrick at the center, mm-hmm. and now after, you know, a few days of camp, he gets hurt, he breaks his thumb, he has surgery, and now he's going to be out. I think he'll be back by the first game. But so he's out. And then you're, you you keep making these changes between right right guard, right tackle, left tackle. Um, so I, I I just think they got to start. You know, it's getting time now. You got to start playing together more, both mm-hmm. in practice and in games. But then, you know, looking at it too, tell you what, Braxton Jones was pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. I think I, I saw like one play that you could say, okay, let's put the minus on that one, mm-hmm. uh, and. But more than held his own, both as a run blocker and a pass blocker. And and the more you look at it is how did this guy last until the fifth round? And I can give you the answer. He played in Southern Utah, <laughs> you know, where he didn't face, you know, his FCS level comp and he didn't face great competition. He didn't get the notoriety and play the competition. Let's say the North Dakota uh, state kids are 
something like that. And the Central Michigan kid, you know, he the two tackles from there went a lot higher. Mm-hmm. And but they were they played at the MAC levels, you know. So mm-hmm. FCS to the MAC is even a big change. So Thank even you. though this kid played good at the at the Senior Bowl, I think people were caught up on level of comp. You know, when you look at the athleticism and he's going to get bigger. I mean, you don't, in this offense, you don't want him at 320, 325, but he's going to get bigger in the lower body. He's going to get stronger Mm -hmm. and he's easily got the athleticism. I'll tell you, and I don't want to be blasphemous here, but movement wise and body, just compare the body and the movement skills, not Mm -hmm. the skill set. The guy he reminds you of is Ronnie Stanley. Oh, okay. They're almost exactly the same size coming out. Hmm. And actually, Braxton Jones has better numbers in the 40, the the 20 shuttle, and the three cone, and not by a little, by a lot. And But the quick feet, that type of thing, the, the length, you know, real long arms, uh, he's got like 35 and a quarter, 35 and a half inch arms, just like, like, uh, Ronnie Stanley did. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think there was a two pound difference in their weight at the combine, the exact same height. There, there's a lot of good comparisons there. Now he's got a long way to go, obviously to be a, a, uh, a Ronnie Stanley type football player, but the tools are there. And, you know, it said yesterday he got beat twice by, uh, Quinn and pass pro. And I, I love that because that's how you're going to learn. And if you're getting, uh, if you're going against the best three or four days a week in, in one-on-ones to learn, go against Quinn all the time, you know, or, or, and go against, uh, uh, Gibson and, mm-hmm. and who are, who's also a pretty good pass rusher. And that way you're going to learn a lot about perfecting your technique. Yeah, when I saw that that Quinn had be- beaten uh, Braxton Jones, and I saw your tweet on that, that he beat Braxton Jones on two consecutive plays, I thought to myself, you know, Quinn didn't play on Saturday, and Braxton is back at practice with pads on, what, two or three days later? You know, there's there's probably some uh, tiredness level going on with Braxton. I mean, to throw him back into the Wolves, you know, two or three days after a game where he had a lot of snaps – uh, might not be the best way, you know, to to judge if he's playing well. But I guess that's the NFL, right? Well, it, you got arguably one of the better edge pass rushers in the league going against a rookie. He should win. Hell, he had 18 and a half sacks last year. Yeah. You know, he, he's supposed to take this kid to, to task. So, mm-hmm. but that's how he learns. Yeah. You know, that's how the kid gets better because you got the tape too. He can see exactly how Quinn beat him and what he has to do to counter that. Mm. You wrote about uh, Larry Borum that he continues to impress you. Um, He's he's fighting for a starting job. Uh, I don't think he's fighting. I think it's his. My own opinion. My own opinion. All right. Well, give me the five starters, you know, and subject to change, of course, because we've got two more preseason games and who knows who could join the squad at uh, uh, in rosterman uh, changes before the start of the season. Give me your starting five for the Chicago Bears as of today. 
Well, assuming Patrick's healthy for the for the first game, mm-hmm. uh, Braxton Jones, Cody mm-hmm. Whitehair, Patrick Jenkins, Borum. Wow, and so that leaves the veteran Reef on on the uh, in on the bench, huh? He, he's a swing man. Yeah, and to me, that is the ideal starting lineup because you've got so much youth there. And this team has made the proclamation, we are not afraid to start young guys. And so the way to build a cohesive offensive line is to start letting them play together. Uh, you know, this – I see – I know uh, Patrick is only has a two-year contract, but I would love to see this offensive line – be intact for the next several years. It, it would be fantastic for. Well, the only the only guy you would you would worry about in that would be um, uh, Whitehair. You know, he's getting deep into his contract. He's also getting a little older. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the young guys they didn't they looked like they were rookies playing their first game. Mm-hmm. But you know, I'm talking. Uh, Carter and uh, uh, Thomas Mm -hmm. right now, but they weren't all that bad either. In fact, if you look at it, you know, that nice drive they had in the, in the third quarter, Mm -hmm. it was all young guys along the front. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and Borum, I think was at left tackle on that one drive. And so he's really playing a position that, that uh, not a hundred percent familiar with, and and Thomas was at the left guard. Uh, Kramer was at the center. I mean, it was all uh, young guys, or the young guys beat the young guys on the Chiefs hands down. Mm-hmm. You know, you can. Look, yeah, I, I look at preseason games this way. First of all, I, I you know I don't care that much how the team does. You know, as far as as offense and defense because I, I think it's about development of individuals and especially because you're keeping things simple mm-hmm. that you're you're trying to see who's going to make the team and so I, I like to look at the individual play okay who showed as an individual that he is capable of playing and you've got to put them as the pluses versus the minuses and there was stuff like um, uh, Daz Newsom had a, had a touchdown. Mm-hmm. And he had a nice play on a reverse. He also muffed a punt and dropped a pass. Mm-hmm. You know, so and, and he he double caught that uh, touchdown pass. He didn't secure it immediately. He almost uh, was still bobbling it as he was going out of bounds. So that was not a clean catch either. So I'm a little worried about his hands. Well, I'm not. You go back and you look at the college tape. He's got pretty good hands. I'm not worried about that. Uh, but he did and. and he did have the drop. The one thing I like, the plus side mm-hmm. with him, mm-hmm. is that he's playing a lot faster. And I don't mean a little. I mean a lot faster than he was playing a year ago. Last year, he, you know, he, he didn't time that fast. He, he ran like a 4.56 or 4.57 last year. And they didn't have the combine a year ago, remember? So they, they were doing pro days. And... He, or they might have had the combine. No, they didn't. They had no combine and they just had pro days last year. So, um, you know, could he be faster than that? Yeah, he might be. He plays like he's faster, but last year he looked like he was a four, six, five guy. Hmm. 
you know, when he came back and played, you know, he had the injury to his shoulder. And then when he came back and got some reps uh, during the season, he just looked like, why, why is this guy even on the field? He's slow. Yeah. You know, and, and in today's game, you want to see some juice. So that part was good. Um, he, I, one play, I, I noticed I got to relook at, at the special teams plays, but on the, he was a gunner on the right side on one play. He got down the field, but he got blocked, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and got knocked past uh, the uh, return guy making the catch. So that part, you know, you got to improve on that because if he's going to make this team, he's got to be able to play mm-hmm. on teams. Now, what remains to be seen is, you know, the, the usual number of six receivers, are you going to keep seven? Mm-hmm. You know, and now you can look at another guy who would be a bubble guy, and that's uh, – and, and now the name is, escapes me, the, the kid from uh, yep. University of Washington. Um, and, Pettis? No, no, it's not Pettis. It's um, – Yeah, Pettis. Dante Pettis. Okay. Dante Pettis. He uh, it didn't have any punt returns, but he handled the ball very well. Mm-hmm. Had a nice, nice route and a nice catch on that um, flag route mm-hmm. on that fourth down play, you know. So and he showed his speed there, and so you know that that was all positive. You know, Isaiah Coulter is a really athletic guy. Yes, he plays slow. Mm-hmm. You know, I was watching. And I kept, you know, every time when I was watching the tape, I go back and forth and back and forth to see how these guys come out of, uh, come off the line of scrimmage, come in and out of their cuts. And he had a, a catch on a, a short out and he, you know, just looked slow, you know, as far as he, too many steps before he broke down to make the cut and then coming out of the cut. And so if you're a fast guy, you negate that speed because you can't get in and out of that cut real quickly. Right. Um, by the way, back to the offensive line, Mr. Englewood uh, said Riley Reef would be a very expensive swing tackle. But, of course, uh, we know that that's not necessarily the case. That $12.5 million contract that Reef signed, the base salary is just $3 million, and he receives $4.5 million if he's on the field for 10% of offensive snaps and another $2.5 million if he is on the playoff roster. So that's – Yeah, if he's a backup, he's not going to hit any of those incentives. Yes, exactly. So um, – so, uh, unless, somebody, unless somebody gets hurt. So right. – and, and to have that kind of experience. Now, let me go back a little bit to Saturday's game. There's a number of guys who didn't play are totally healthy. Riley Rafe and, and Davenport. The mm-hmm. offensive tackle they signed during the year who's played for six years in the league, yep. and he can play both sides. Mm-hmm. Neither one of those guys played, so you know they're going to play this week. Yeah, you know, and that was the case. Uh, you know, the uh, Kendall Vildor didn't play. Uh, you know, there's a bunch of guys in the secondary who didn't play. The first three tight ends didn't play. Mm-hmm. You know, they're going to play this week. So, and that makes a difference in the run game. Because you got better blockers than what you had on on Saturday against Kansas City, so they withheld a lot of those guys. I expect most of them to play this week. 
Mm-hmm. And then who knows what the hell is going to happen next week. Now, you know, this week's a short week. And then now you got a long week. You got 10 days until the next game or nine days, you know, so it, it, it evens itself off. I know some people are concerned on a short week. The Bears have had short weeks before in the preseason. Mm-hmm. It, it's not that big of a deal, especially when you got, you know, you're going to be at 85 men in another hour and a half, whoever they, and, and I think it, it wouldn't shock me that, you know, they got to make what three more cuts mm-hmm. and all three are going to be guys who are either waived injured or placed on injured reserve. And when you're waived injured, if nobody claims you, you revert back to injured reserve. Mm-hmm. Um, let's get back to the wide receivers because as soon as he was acquired, you uh, sang the praises of uh, Tajay Sharp, who made two super catches. You know, what did you see Saturday and what could be his ceiling uh for the, with the Chicago Bears, I've always liked Tajay Sharp, uh, and and you see that a lot. Go put his film on mm-hmm. from when he's played in Atlanta and Tennessee. He does that a lot. He's not the fastest guy. He you know he's a high four five eight four five nine probably four six now, but he's tall. He's very long. Uh, he's got good hands. Uh, he can play. He, he was playing X, and he had one play where he played in the slot, and that was it right there. Mm-hmm. Um, he, you know, he's a pro. He knows how to take care of himself. He knows how to play. He's not what you want starter, but he's a good four, mm-hmm. and he's smart enough to um, be able to play more than one position. Mm-hmm. Say it was interesting too, and I, I mentioned it when I wrote that article yesterday. Mm-hmm. Is you know when they when they acquired Pringle, Pringle played mostly in the slot last year for Kansas City, and Green Bay liked to play big guys in the slot because you can create some mismatches. Who played the slot on Saturday? Darnell Mooney. I don't know. Every single snap he was in the slot. Unless they were two wides, mm-hmm. you know, and they, and, and they were playing with two tight ends, mm-hmm. um, you know, and then they had, and, and so then he was the out, obviously the outside receiver because then the move tight end becomes your, you know, your slot, your move guy or whatever, but position wise, that's, it's, it's the same person. But when there was three wides, Mooney always lined up in the slot. Mm-hmm. And that nice catch he had was from the slot. Mm-hmm. Um, Valus Jones, as you mentioned, did not play uh, Saturday. He is expected to play Thursday. He practiced yesterday, and I'm assuming he practiced today. Um, what do you want to see out of the rookie wide receiver uh, other than the obvious, which is don't drop the ball <laughs> and uh, run real fast? We know he could do that. Um, and I'm assuming you're going to say something like, know your plays, know, you know, play fast. Well- the coaches already know if he knows his plays because that's every, every snap he takes in practice is graded. Mm -hmm. So if he blows a route in practice, they know about it, you know, and, and they're correcting it when they do the tape study after practice. Um, You know, it's an interesting question. I I watched, uh, you know, the bills game was on after the bears game. And I taped that because I had to go, 
to that wedding on Saturday. And so I watched that on Sunday and they had a rookie receiver who a lot of people liked. And I liked as a Khalil Shakur from uh, Boise state. And he probably caught about four passes, maybe five in that game playing from the slot. And he played well, well, so then you think, okay, yeah, I'd love to see uh, Valus come in and, and be able to do that in a game. But then on the other hand, it's like, do we really want to do that? Mm. You know, why show what he can do in a preseason game when we, you know, we can, we can see it in practice mm-hmm. and spring it on the 49ers in the opener. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as fans, you want to see it. Right. I get it. But the coaches, that's what practice is for. They want to get you ready for the season. Mm-hmm. And who cares what the hell they do in a preseason game? You know, in the preseason game, you know, let's say he's in for 15 snaps and, and eight of those are pass plays. You want to see him run eight good routes, mm-hmm. whether he gets the ball thrown to him or not. Yeah. And yeah. get open on those eight routes. Agree with you. Agree. Yeah, I, um, I, I'm anxious to see that explosive speed that we've uh, been talking about, that everyone's been talking about, we've seen in the college tape and so forth. I want to see that in a pro game. All right, let's turn our attention to the running back situation because we all know that this team is going to have David Montgomery and Khalil Herbert as the one-two, right? The battle is is for that third spot, and so uh, – Darrington Evans, a really good player. Treston Ebner looked tremendous. And Demontre Tuggle had uh, some impressive snaps in Saturday's game. I want to talk about Ebner's performance because clearly it was uh, fantastic in, in many ways. And But first, let's listen to Luke Getze talk about Ebner's experience and, and, and excuse me, play and primarily in pass protection. Impressive cut, but I just think when you have one of these young guys that – you're on that sideline, and there's a guy, and you can run out of bounds. And the way he put his foot in the ground, went and got us five more yards. That, that's that's the mentality that we're trying to build here. So that's that's a, that's one of those philosophical plays that that we'll put up in the in the offensive unit room. Yeah, pass protection, and what's that going to be like in terms of getting him on the field so we can do those things that we know he can do? But yeah, no, that's that's where he's got to grow, and it's not just pass pro, but it's the pass game. Um, you know. The assignment is a it's a challenge. We ask a lot. We demand a lot of the running back in protection and in the pass game. And uh, he's capable of all those and he's willing to do all those. Um, so all, that's all good. It's just he's got to get more reps at at dealing with those and experiencing those. And um, these linebackers in our league and safeties in our league, they make it really they make it tough, man. And uh, the way that, you know, we refer to it as a coffee house where they're in line and then they fake it and then they come back. You know, like we had that happen here today where, where the back got out and we didn't we didn't get in the protection. So those are all things that those young guys got to experience and uh, and he'll be I think he'll be fine. Your thoughts on Tristan Ebner's performance. Excellent performance, except for that last clip you had. That was that that corner blitz. That was his guy. Mm-hmm. So he's and he's supposed to. You know, coming to the just just like the quarterback is eyeballing the defense, he's supposed to eyeball the defense a little bit too, and anticipate that something like that could happen, and put himself in position to hit that guy or at least chip him uh, when when he's coming in 
on on a corner blitz like that. So, and that that's going to happen with with young running backs who just aren't you. Hell, hell, it happens to veteran running backs. So it's a challenge. uh, Oops, sorry. Go ahead. No, that's right. It's a challenge, and you got (laughs) to learn it. And he's exactly right when he said you need you know you need the reps. Is he a better player than Evans? Evans has been a, a decent pro. You know, a third running back. This guy's got more talent, though. Okay, and he's got rare speed. And when you look at his, go back and you look at his college tape, and and you see what he can do out of the backfield. And he, now that was a good play. He gets a touchdown. Mm-hmm. I'd like to see him. You know where he made that. He he breaks out and right there. Mm. Put the foot on the ground a little harder and really snap out of that uh, that break. Mm-hmm. And uh, and he had he had separation. A part of that's because of his speed. But he he even can create more separation. Now, if you're doing that play on say the the your own thirty yard line, you know, you, you might get a seventy yard play out of it. Yeah, you know, depending on on the rest of the coverage and where the safeties are. And he's got the speed to do something like that. So um, the the thing he's got to work on and, and what could limit his reps early in the year is the pass protection because you don't want to put a guy in there who you just don't trust in pass protection because you can get your quarterback killed. Indeed. Am I being too picky here? Is there something wrong with the timing on the route? Peterman is looking uh, left all the way, which is, I think, a little problematic. Uh, but nonetheless, he well, he looked a little bit center there. But you got look at you got the tight ends on the left side. He's going to the left side. You got a wide receiver over there. He's gotcha. going to be going. He's going to be looking left. Okay, but does he almost double pump here? Uh, maybe. Ebner's cut was a little too late. I'll, I'll run it fast. That's what I said. I thought he should put his foot in the ground, yeah. you know, and really snap out of the break a little bit. Right. But right there, instead yep. of, you know, he rounded the cut a little bit. Right. And, and, and instead of, you know, plant and drive off of that cut. And again, the, the, when you do the, the tape study of the game, after the game, the coaches and the players, the coach is going to say that. Okay. The route was okay, and you got a touchdown. Mm-hmm. It's a win. But we can make it even better if you do this. Mm-hmm. And that that's how young guys learn. Mm-hmm. You know, they got to see it. They, they see it on tape, and they go, oh, okay, I get it. And then you go from there. And then the next time he runs that play, the, the route will be better. Okay. Good stuff. Um, all right. Uh, speaking of better, uh, Kyler Gordon has a chance to really improve his play because he's going to play for the first time uh, uh, this preseason. He's been sitting out with an injury, I think, for now a couple of weeks. Uh, Matt Eberflus was asked about Kyler Gordon going this week. Yeah, with Kyler, and as I, I, I think I said it before the last game, we're getting a lot of guys back. You know, So we're excited to see a lot of players that we didn't get a chance to see um, in the first game. You know, so this is their first performance. You know, you're, I told the guys we're only judged by our last performance. And, you know, the only thing that matters is the next performance. And for those guys like Kyler, it's their first performance in front of the, you know, in the lights. And he's going back, kind of a homecoming for him. So he's really excited about it. Yeah, he's going to get his plays in. 
I am super psyched to see this young man play the cornerback position. Uh, I hope that he's out there with the starters. What do you think about what we might see? Should he be out there with the starters? How many snaps should he get? Your thoughts, please. Um, if he did start, I'd want to keep him in a long time because mm-hmm. he's going to need the reps. But I, you know, even if you put him in with the twos and and you start Vildor, who also didn't play last week, um, then. You know, he's still – you want to see him get about 30 snaps mm-hmm. at least, you know, and uh, I, I think that's important. But you knew he was going to play this week. Mm-hmm. Hell, he, he'd have to have an amputated leg not to play. It's home. <laughs> you know, he's going home. There's no way he wasn't going to play when he's playing in front of Mama. Uh-huh. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I uh this I can't wait for Thursday's game. There's so many storylines and so many uh, things that we want to see expectations for Justin Fields on Thursday. I mean, first why don't you talk a little bit about his performance on Saturday? Were you did you see progress at all and uh and what do you hope to see Thursday against the Seahawks? Yeah, I wasn't totally sold. Um Dottie held on to the ball a little bit too long. In fact, it's on the same type of play. There was a, you know, a rollout to the right. And, and uh, you know, Simeon did the same thing. He didn't get the ball out of his hand. There was one play where I, I, I can't remember if he ran or he threw an incompletion to Mooney. I think he ran. But Mooney, it was like a five- or six-yard crossing route where Mooney was lined up in the slot on the left side and um, Fields is rolling to the right. The play was there right away. Boom. Get it, get it out where, where Mooney had just crossed the hash, mm-hmm. you know, and then had, and the, the, the defensive back was, was playing soft. So then he had some room to run after if he catches and gets tackled right away, it's a five, six yard gain, mm-hmm. but, if you get him the ball on time, he might even make a first down because of his speed. Now you go back and you look at Green Bay. That's a staple play in the Green Bay offense. Mm-hmm. Those short crossing routes and, and and just go back and see how many times Adams caught that ball from, from uh, Rogers yeah. over the course of the last few years. It's basically the same play. Sometimes it's from a drop. Sometimes it's from a rollout. But it's a play they use a lot. Now, a lot of those crossing routes, which Green Bay uses a lot, the Bears did not do very often. I think there's only like three of them all game, mm-hmm. you know, and and uh, maybe four. And Daz Newsom, I can't remember if his was the crossing route or he just dropped it. But I know that that Simeon Rice was late getting the ball to the crossing guy too where it was there on, on the boot. So, um, you know, it's, it's timing and, mm-hmm. and, and practice and seeing it. And, you know, sometimes I worry or not, not worry. Sometimes I think that the coaches don't get real upset about that because they just don't want things to be shown. Right. right. You know what I mean? It's almost like tank a play. 
which is anti-coaching. But <laughs> well, I, I give credit to uh, Luke Getze in yesterday's press conference. He did point out a couple of things that he was unhappy with, not only with Justin Fields, but he said all three quarterbacks were, as you just said, uh, a little late in getting the ball out. Uh, and then with Fields and, and the other quarterbacks, uh, he, he talked a little bit about their footwork not being completely where it should be. And so uh, it was good, honest assessment, and, and you've, you've uh, kind of validated what Getsy said there. Let's hope that we see progress all three preseason games. I hope Fields plays in all three of them, and all three we need to see progress moving forward. I, I got to be honest, although the, the number one history always tells us that the first preseason game is atrocious. Mm-hmm. They're like the most boring games to watch in the world. There's so many mistakes. The Bears had like five penalties. Kansas awesome. City had two. Mm-hmm. I mean, that alone is a huge accomplishment for, for a first preseason game. And the play wasn't bad. The defense in the second half, the backups, mm-hmm. they were outstanding. Mm-hmm. I mean, these are guys that are fighting for a job and and – you know, playing really hard. And the offense, I think the worst the offense looked is when Justin Fields was in there. They just weren't totally in sync. Part of it may have been the play calling, you know, how they were, and and they were playing against, you know, Kansas City's ones. So you can look at it where Kansas City's ones beat Chicago's ones and Chicago's twos beat Kansas City's twos. Mm -hmm. You know, so it, you want to see an improvement with the starters on offense this week, a little bit more cohesiveness, a little bit more snap, uh, you know, gets, get a, get at least get a score. Mm-hmm. You know, how about like, you know, Pittsburgh, Mitch Trubisky takes him down for like an 80 yard drive on the, on, on his first drive for a touchdown. He had two incomplete passes and one was a drop, you know? <laughs> so, um, and actually played, he played pretty decent, but everybody in Pittsburgh is going to talk about the rookie going, you know, 13 or 15 or whatever the hell he did. But yep. he's also did that against, you know, most of the guys who aren't going to be around in three weeks. That's right. They'll be bagging groceries. Some of them will be. Um, all right. I got one more question and then we'll turn to the questions that have been flowing in from the chat. I wanted to ask you about uh, Jack Sanborn. Uh, the media picked him as the Oh, your man. I knew that one was coming. <laughs> um, I, You know, I, I, I'm high on him as a person and with his intensity. I wish he would have been on the Bears back in the day when we needed linebackers in between Butkus and Singletary or in between Singletary and Erlacher. Um, but – I, I wonder if he can play. He wasn't well. even thought of then yet. No, yeah, he that's even, right. He <laughs> wasn't even a gleam in daddy's eyes at that point. <laughs> I have a time travel machine over there. Uh, what do you think? Can he play in today's NFL? Or he is he just going to be some guy uh, as a second stringer, ceiling Nick Kwiatkowski kind of guy? What do you think? Um, I think Kwiatkowski's a you know a good comp. Kwiatkowski's a bigger guy. Mm-hmm. Um, Sandboard's got more athleticism, a little quicker, a little faster. Hey, the guy played good. The official, the official tackle count was seven tackles. Nice. And he was the leading tackler for the Bears in that game. Uh, he had the nice play that didn't count on the special teams because there was a, um, the penalty 
on that play. Uh, then he, you know, he, he causes a turnover with, with, with the interception with great coverage in, mm-hmm. in the middle of the field. He recovers a fumble, uh, played real well against the run, made plays. What are you supposed to do? How do you get noticed? You make plays. Mm-hmm. And he made them in opportune times, mm-hmm. you know. First turnover of the season for the Bears, be it preseason or regular season, he got it. And he did it because he did a hell of a job. So, you know, I, I got a, a DM from some guy. He go, did he make the team? And I said, he sure as hell didn't hurt his chances. That's for sure. <laughs> you know, so, but yeah, I, I, I would think so. In, in, in this scheme, and I got I to gotta put, you know, clap my hands a little bit for my guy from last year who jumped out again too. That's Caleb. Caleb, yeah. He's a player. He's Caleb good. makes plays. Yes, he does. And and he made plays on special teams again. Mm-hmm. Now, when they were playing, and you you won't see it during the season, but when they were playing with three linebackers, and if you go back and you look at Indianapolis defense, they played with two linebackers ninety percent of the time. Like nine, I think it was ninety one percent. They they played with only two linebackers last year. So how often does a Sam play? So the Sam has to be able to play Mike and Will. But when they did play Sam, Caleb was the Sam. Yeah. One thing about Sanborn that speaks highly for him is that he played all of the special teams snaps. And so when you have a guy that plays kickoff and punt return, uh, and that really helps his value. And so absolutely, absolutely. No, he, he, he can't take it away from me. He did a great job. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and he made big plays when he had to make big plays. Uh, coaches love guys like that. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he, he's smart. He's not going to bust an assignment. And when you can do that, you're going to make a football team. Now, what kind of a career is, is he going to have? That remains to be seen. Right. But he got off to a pretty damn good start. Right. I just wish he had the athleticism and the length to match his smarts and toughness. Then he would be a Pro Bowl player. Well, I'm going to tell you, there's a player in Buffalo, because you know I follow Bills closely, mm-hmm. Mike Milano. Now, Buffalo only plays with two linebackers like 90% of the time, mm-hmm. you know, all the time. They're, they're like uh, similar to uh, the Colts, and they, they play the Mike linebacker, Milano's the will. Milano's 220 pounds and short arm guy, mm. you know, he, he, but he can run now, mm-hmm. but he's a Boston college kid. You know, he, very, very similar to Milano. And, and I, I think are very, very similar to Sanborn. I, I can't remember if he was a late round pick or a free agent. I think he was a late round pick, uh, like a fifth round pick or something like that. But, um, you know, what's the difference? Fifth, sixth round or, or undrafted free agent. And right. Another team may have you have you rated as a draft choice at that point. <laughs> so, you know, I, you got to take your hat off to the kid. You know, he's, he, he's a hometown kid playing in his very first pro game. He's playing at home in front of family and friends, and he plays a hell of a game. Indeed. Uh, Hidden Gems wants to know, did Sanborn slim down since college? He seems to be playing faster. Well, he may. I mean, you know, we've talked about a, a number of times the the program that the Bears are on, the, the strength program, a lot of it has to do with uh, body composition and body fat. 
mm-hmm. uh, where, where, which you don't see in college. You know, and their their training table is a lot different in college than what they're going to be getting at Hallis Hall. Mm-hmm. Uh, you no, know, they're not getting dinner. They are during training camp getting dinner, but you know, once training camp officially breaks, and you know, they get breakfast and lunch, so they don't get dinner. But is yeah, is he trimmer? Probably because they they probably being that he's a linebacker, you know, they want him in the low teens as far mm-hmm. as body fat. You know, he maybe I, I don't know what he was, at, but at uh, Wisconsin, I'd have to go back and look. But I think he was probably in the 230s or something. Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, you know, he's probably closer to 18, 20 percent body fat versus what he is now. now. I'm throwing a brick at the wall right there. Um, but I know he's bigger because I, you know, I remember doing him. He, he does look like he's slimmed down, but he moves really, really well. Mm hmm. Yeah, NFL.com had him at 6'2", 234 pounds. Well, he ain't 234 right now. No way. I'll that right now. <laughs> Those are his combine numbers. All right, let's get to these questions. Um, I know you're you're going to say, I don't care about this, but I'm going to ask you anyway. Okay, Free- I don't care about it. <laughs> Free Palestine wants to know, what are your thoughts on the media choosing who the MVP is or first team instead of an ex player or cor- or current players, there is a lot. I don't, I don't get. I don't get the question. In all I think, honesty, I think what he's asking is, at the end of the season, it's the media that make who who chooses who the most valuable player of the NFL is, uh, or even the media choosing the most valuable player in Saturday's game. Shouldn't the media stay away from? handing out awards shouldn't that be ex-players coaches people who really know football well i i i agree with that yeah you know i i the pro bowl now they've changed the you know the the used to be strictly media voting Mm -hmm. and then a few years ago they changed it and there's fan voting coaches and player voting and then media vote too but there there's uh, so you've got a lot of different ways of, of figuring out. Now, I think the coaches and players voting has the most weight in the Pro Bowl, mm-hmm. but the fan voting carries some weight. But then when you get to the all-pro teams, that's strictly media. Mm-hmm. And some of those are popularity contests. That's ridiculous. You know, and I, well, this guy, he was, he's always been good, so he's got to get – my vote. And, and part of it is, you know, Roquan has played on a, on a subpar team since he's come in the league. Yep. Why hasn't that guy been in the pro bowl? Indeed. Yep. And I gotta, I gotta tell you, there were a couple of times Kyle Long was selected uh, for the pro bowl and I was scratching my head, you know, he, he played okay, but he was, he there had to be better guards in the NFL. Well, I'll tell you what now in the, in the league, people talk to people in the league. They mm-hmm. hated going against that guy now. Well, yeah, he's huge. That's a strong, powerful guy. And and, and Olin has said too, he could, it's like I've never seen anything like that guy. Mm-hmm. And it's not that he, you know, he was very athletic at about 325 pounds, yeah, but just so powerful. Yeah, indeed. And a mean temperament, too. Uh back to Sanborn. Berlissimo asked, Greg, if you saw a player in preseason show up the way Sanborn did, speed of reading, angle of attack, tackle skill two turnovers, does that influence giving them a look against a higher tier? 
And I think that the question to that is obviously because Sanborn uh, was practicing with the ones, I want to say, or maybe it was the twos. He went from the threes to the twos in practice yesterday and today. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, the, the play, you've got practice that you're graded on. And, you know, I know I'm repeating myself, but every single rep in practice is graded. Mm-hmm. And you have that, but you don't have live looks like you have in a preseason game mm-hmm. where the, you know, practice is more, more used to be a live look going way back, but now it's not, it's more of a thud. You know, the, the, the only ones you can get a halfway decent view of is, is the offensive and defensive lineman because their initial contact is pretty good. They just don't finish the way you'd want them to finish in a game. Uh, but for players like uh, linebackers and things like that, where they they can't tackle in practice, mm-hmm. so now now you see that, and and you're seeing the guy come up and make plays, and there could be a guy, and this is probably the way he wants this this uh, question answered, is you know, he doesn't stand out in practice. He's good, but, you know, you don't get all excited about it. Mm-hmm. And then game day comes and he jumps out and he's like, wow, okay. Yes. This guy may be a gamer. Mm-hmm. And then now you you want to follow that up with another strong look on Thursday night. Yeah. All right. Let's hope we get that from him. Uh, Nomad wants to ask you, your thoughts on Trayvon Coley. I know he was playing against threes, but he looked pretty disruptive. And I'll add to that your overall thoughts on that three-tech position for the Bears based on what you saw Saturday. Well, Jones didn't play enough to – and I'll get to, to Coley. Mm-hmm. Jones didn't play enough to really let me form an opinion, but he did. But I did see a couple times where he got off the ball and got penetration. Mm-hmm. And one time he was like two and a half yards into the backfield. Mm-hmm. And that's what you want to see from that particular position in this defense. You know, there's other defenses where they, you know, the inside guys are bigger and they want them to occupy people, mm-hmm. you know, not give Brown to the blocker, occupy people, get a little bit of a push, but that's not what they're, they're, trying to do here in, in this particular scheme. Mm-hmm. Now getting to Coley, this guy played for the Ravens for what, four years or something? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. You don't make their squad unless you're a pretty good football player. <laughs> uh, okay. So, so, you know, is he a great football player? No, but you know, I looked at his numbers when, when they signed him, and he's short, he's only six one, uh, but he's, he's got some explosiveness. Uh, and, and quickness to him. Uh, hell, he had two sacks. It, it, you go back to Sanborn. What do you got to do? And especially with a guy like him who comes into camp late, it's not like he's been here since OTAs. Mm-hmm. He comes in not. So make plays. So now you notice him. Now he's got to follow it up this week with more plays. Indeed. And if he does that, then all of a sudden you're going to see his name on the roster. Now, that goes back to another thing. We didn't see a lot of defensive linemen. Mm-hmm. Edwards didn't didn't play. That's right. Who we you know, and, and now the depth chart, and I, and I put no credence into preseason depth charts mm-hmm. because at most places, 
the coaches don't even do the depth charts. The, the PR people do. Mm. Like, I remember when I was there, they because my office is right over by the PR people. Oh, who do I put here? Who do I, you know? <laughs> put this guy. You know, it, it, it's it doesn't mean a thing. I'm not going to say every club is that way, but it doesn't. But they listed Mario Edwards as a left end on that depth chart. I don't think he's ever played end. He's always been yeah. an inside player. Yeah. So I, you know, if he plays this week, I want to see where he lines up. Mm -hmm. I love what Cornelia says here that uh, if low man wins, Coley can be a guy. He's a fire agent. <laughs> yeah, well, like I say, he's only six one. He's over three hundred pounds, but he has some length to him. Indeed. Yeah, right. and, and, uh, and the, I'll tell you, um, Tonga is—he's uh, lost weight. You know, they still got him listed at 338. Mm -hmm. I guarantee you that was a lot. That 338 was last year. Yeah. yeah. You know, he isn't anywhere near that right now. Right. Yeah. It, I, I need to go back and look at that tape on Tonga because uh, somebody told me, yeah, Tonga looked like he was getting blown off the line. So I'm going to go study that because um, he's an intriguing player for this team. Uh, speaking of intriguing, GP. P has asked this question for a number of shows now. He's he, he's finally gotten through. Can you ask Greg about that offensive lineman named Dieter Iceland? He saw some action uh, with the threes uh, this week. He's been on this squad now. This is his third season. He was one of those European players. What do you think of him? This guy. Well, he, played, he played at Yale or yeah, Princeton right. or one of those plays. You know, he played at an Ivy League school. That's right. He did. He's, he's a practice squad guy. Yeah. Um, I, I I think he's versatile enough and, and probably smart enough that mm -hmm. you could move him into center. If you get, you know, and if Kramer's going to be out now, now they signed that guy today that was uh, at the rookie mini camp, but, but you know, would a better idea be moving this guy, see if he can snap the ball. Mm -hmm. um, I, I don't think he's a 53 man roster guy. Yeah. You know, I don't even think he's in the mix, uh, but you know, he's a tough guy. He he's got size. He's got some strength. Um, but uh, that's it. Now I got thoughts on Corey Dublin. That's the guy they signed today. I don't know anything about him. He played at Tulane last year. I, I didn't watch any of Tulane. So, but I know he was like a multi-year starter there and he's played center and guard. Right. Yeah. I heard he's uh, quick footed, but uh, that's about it for uh, positives. Tareen wants to know, can Trenton Gill build on those great punts? He seems to be quite the catch. This punter, he had a good game Saturday. He's had a good camp. There's nobody competing against him. So the bears must be sold on Trenton Gill being the, uh, the I got one negative and I, and he kind of corrected that in the game. And, and I had this negative coming out. And that he's a three-step punter. Mm. Okay. And I'm going to go. The, he was rated by most people as the number two punter in the class mm -hmm. with the kid from San Diego State, Arazia, number one. And I don't know if you saw the Bills game, but Arazia had an 82-yard punt. Mm -hmm. That sucker went about 60, no, about 72, 73 yards in the air. <laughs> and then he's kicking from his own end zone. Amazing. Just about her, her own five yard line and puts it into the other end zone. Mm -hmm. um, 
this kid doesn't have the leg like Arazia does, but it's not far behind. What I don't like about a three-step punter is that that's that extra step is, is extra time. Yep. And it's, and what you're timing, you're timing the whole operation. That's from the beginning of the snap. As soon as the center moves the ball till the ball touches the, the toe of the kicker, that's one time. And the other one is called uh snap to toe. So how long it takes the kicker to get the ball off from the, the moment he catches the ball till the instant that it, it leaves his foot. So you're, you use those two times and taking that extra step can actually lead to blocks because it takes long, a little bit longer to get the ball out. Sure. What I did notice, and if you went back and go look at North Carolina state special teams tape, and then look at yesterday, at least the steps are shorter. Ah, okay. Okay. And that was the biggest thing that I saw. Cause I first, as soon as he came in, first thing I wanted to see was if he's still three step and he's really more of a two and a half step. Mm-hmm. You'd prefer a two step. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but, and, and it, it, it's going to take him a while because you got to break habits. So it's going to take him a while to probably do that. It might take him a whole nother off season, mm-hmm. but, you know, special teams coaches, they're, they're timing that whole operation. Like I was just mentioning when they're, when they're looking at the tape, getting ready to play the bears on Sunday. And if they think it's a couple tenths too long, mm-hmm. they're going to put the rush on. Yeah. And, and so it, it, it's just something to look at. And like I say, Arazi is the same way. Yeah. Yeah. But what he, you know, maybe, uh, you put the guy back an extra yard, yard and a half, so that you know the. Uh, but it, 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 he's got a strong leg. His directional kicking was excellent. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's too bad that one ball rolled into the end zone. They almost you know came close to downing it on around the one or two yard line. But all told, he he was super. All right. Our next question is from um, this is an interesting question because I don't know why J Rock would assume that there haven't been any trade offers for Roquan. Do you think, that, but I'll ask you this do you think there have been trade offers for Roquan? Uh, some team may have called. I mean, why wouldn't, why wouldn't they? Are you yeah. trying to trade them? But, and I've, I've said this before rule number one Ryan Poles is does not make the call. Yeah. Take calls. Take all the calls you want. Right. Don't make the call. I love that uh, philosophy. Okay. Because you you lose all leverage when you're making the call. Yep. And <laughs> so, but if people call it, yeah, what do you give me? Mm-hmm. Yeah, true. Uh, I'll, 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 I'll give you two. <laughs> See ya. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Absolutely. That's the, that's the very best strategy and, and with dating girls too. <laughs> but you know, even if they got 10 calls, think they're going to tell you. Yeah, exactly. They're going to tell you. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, Ryan is on record now twice. Mm-hmm. Not once, twice. Hey, my, I want this guy on this football team. I love the kid. And he mm-hmm. said that twice. I love the kid. Mm-hmm. 
I just think that there's ever advising them is wacky. You know, that but, might be the problem. He's got no one advising. Rogan. Well, it's here, here's what happens. Although it's just any negotiation of a contract is difficult. Mm-hmm. If you got to do it yourself because it gets personal. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So, and you're going to hear things you don't want to hear mm-hmm. because it, you know, it's part of the negotiation game. You know, so, well, Shaq Leonard's worth 19 and a half million a year. I, I got to get 19 and a half million a year. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the bears come back. You haven't made a pro ball. You haven't been all pro. He has. Why should I pay you like what he's getting? You know, and you go back and forth and then you're saying, and according to, you know, you could, even though I don't think pro football focus is worth anything when they rate players, I think their analytics are great. I think the rating of players are are horrible, especially when they grade players after a game. They put out grades on players like two hours after a game's over, and it takes coaches five six hours to grade their players. Mm-hmm. You know, so yeah, that to me is so- yeah. It, it, it's it, to me, it's it, it it just takes away all credibility. So really? I, I I don't listen to it. Yeah, but will you get into a contract negotiation? Now it becomes a different story because, you know, what's Stein's job? Stein's job is to put the best deal together for the Bears. And the eight, now if you got an agent working for, for Roquan, the agent knows this. Mm-hmm. He's a pro just like Stein is a pro. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and in most cases, they dealt with each other several times in the past. Mm-hmm. So, it's the agent's job to take the hits instead of the kid having to sit in the room and take the negative hits mm-hmm. where he gets all pissed off and insulted. Yep. You know, where if you got an agent, he shields you from that. Right. Um, let's see, what time is it here? I'm already keeping you over time. All right. Let me. Uh, I got to talk to you after when we go off, too, for a second. Okay. Very good. What were your thoughts on Jaquan Brisker's play? Uh, you had to be impressed by it like we all were. Was it- Excellent. This guy is – Really like the player. Yeah. He is probably the most versatile safety that I've seen with the Bears in quite some time, uh, where he could play that deep and he can also – you know, and, and create turnovers, but also play in the box and just rock people. He, he's he's a, a talent. Yeah. Kyle Hamilton from Notre Dame had the reputation of being the best safety in college football last year. Mm-hmm. Kyle Hamilton, very good safety. I'm not taking anything away from him. Kyle Hamilton, though, when he ran, didn't run very good. His overall testing was average. Mm-hmm. And I've been, you know, I'm doing tape for some people now and and i've done probably a a little more than 100 players and i've seen quite a bit of penn state's defense because i'm you know doing some uh, offensive linemen from from the big 10 so a lot of times the penn state game comes up he jumps out i mean and and you see some of the plays he made i don't see why he wasn't how he wasn't a first round pick now seeing that you know after the fact 
Mm-hmm. I was really good. I was watching one tape earlier today, and you know, he come and and the safety comes up, and makes a big hit, and I'm not even paying attention to the safety. I'm paying attention, <laughs> to, you know, to the offensive line. And so I go back. Who is that? And they go, Oh, that's who it was. You know. <laughs> Then you play the, the the thing over, and it's like, wow. Mm. Uh, Eddie Jackson did not play Saturday, all right? No, he played a little. Did he play a little? We're number four, right? Oh, that's right. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, he was out there for that first series. <laughs> he, he, he was out there a little bit. Right. And, um, uh, and they had um, Houston Carson playing on the slot a little bit. Which I like to see. I like to see that big guy. Well, he's, he's capable of doing that. Yeah. But he's not exactly what you want. Correct. Uh, Crookshank did not play. Right. And that's a guy I want to see play because he was Definitely. really a valuable player for Tennessee as the dime guy that mm-hmm. really played like the linebacker, dime line, and, and uh, had to cover a tight end a lot and, and was very productive. I went through, there's this website that I subscribe to, NFL GSIS. I had the subscription back from when I was with the in the XFL. And that has the, it uh, doesn't have your play time, but it, you know, it gives you the game facts, who played, who didn't play. There's like 20 guys that didn't play. Wow, that many, huh? Yeah, I mean, the, a lot of guys did not play in the game. Hmm. Um. Next question. Uh, what about that field? Uh, were you as upset with the quality of that turf by uh, the Chicago Park District and Soldier Field had for the Bears preseason game? And are you concerned that this could be a problem throughout the season? Of course, injuries become uh, a bigger concern if you have divots on the field. They've got concerts coming up. One of them is, is with this uh rock group that were where the fans have been known to dig holes into the turf because it's just one of those wild drug induced concerts. Well, that, that, that when's that concert next weekend? Uh that particular one Ramston, I think it's uh two two weeks from now. Yeah they've got a couple so, oh so still a week before the first game. Correct. Correct. Okay. About five minutes after that concert's over mm-hmm. they'll start they'll rip out that turf and install new turf. I hope so. They always, every year since now that stadium opened up in 2003, I believe. Mm-hmm. And every year they put new turf in for the opening of game. You play the preseason on what was there now. And that's covered through soccer games, concerts, etc. And then, and, I don't think it was as bad as it looked, mm-hmm. you know, when you get uh, get down there. But, you know, I know Kenny Morak is, is the groundskeeper for the Bears. And, you know, he he's responsible for, you know, he's a liaison between the Park District and the Bears. And he's the guy who does the practice fields at, at Hallis Hall. And you were there last week, so you saw what those look like. Uh, and they're pristine, but he'll tell you, you know, and Kenny is constantly in, in contact with the park district and it's in their contract that if, if they feel that, that you got to resod that thing four times during the season, mm-hmm. then the park district's got to do it. 
Now, the first few years they were getting, it was local turf. Mm -hmm. And it just wasn't holding up. They were getting it down south a little bit, but it was, you know, from the state of Illinois. Mm -hmm. Um, It just wasn't holding up as good. So then they went to this place in New Jersey. And actually, in the last few years, it's held up a lot better. When we played that championship game against New Orleans to go to the Super Bowl, Mm -hmm. that was on dirt. (laughs) I'm telling you, that that was... That, that field was in a bad shape, and now and it was still a couple of years after that that they were still using that that local side, and then they switched. Mm-hmm. Well, and they uh, to Sam's point here, he's asking about building a platform or something. Kill that, the grass. It will kill the grass exactly. Um, the well, other thing- and, and it doesn't help. I mean, even putting the the stuff over what they do mm-hmm. that that doesn't help the turf. Just having a concert, period does not help the turf exactly because you know you got it's for a couple of days it loses sunlight it's dry mm-hmm. it's not getting the nutrients it needs mm-hmm. uh, all that stuff but and and that's why it's so much better to have like a um an all you know a, a false field um like field turf or something like that because then you don't have that problem when you have those outside events yep yeah, and, and by the way, changing the sod in the fall and into the winter. I don't know what that was, but it fell. <laughs> changing the sod or, or, or uh, you know, the field in the winter months, fall months is, is a losing proposition in most cases. I mean, that's got to be one hellacious job. All right, let's well, check. Let's, let's, it's, it's pretty thick. I Oh, good. Seeing what they put. I mean, it's not like, put, it's put it like this way. It's not like when you have your front yard sodded, mm-hmm. which is about what this thick? <laughs> yes. No, it's like this. Okay. <laughs> Makes sense. Uh, let's pick one last question here. And I apologize to those that uh, we couldn't get to, but uh, here it is. Uh, Sam Rush says, Greg, would you take uh, Clayton Claypool from the Steelers and a third rounder for a Roquan Smith? I, I've got an opinion on this one, which is why I chose this one from all the other good questions. And I apologize to, again to those that we didn't get to. I love Chase Claypool, but no. And I don't think you got a rookie general manager there now who's been in the league 20 something years. Mm-hmm. Um, the, he Claypool's an important part of their wide receiver core. They've already got pretty good linebacker core. Mm-hmm. So why would they make the deal? Well, I think they are a little bit, underwhelmed with the progress of Devin Bush. And so I have seen some Steelers fans raise the question, hey, Roquan's out there. What would it take? So perhaps, but I, I agree with but you. But you're really hurting the defense. Here you're, you you got a defensive coach. Oh, yeah. Head coach who is, I already said, and everybody knows, the Will linebacker is the most important guy in the defense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you're going to trade away his pro bowl level you know, will linebacker not going to happen. Exactly. The bears, he's going to be here. They mm-hmm. control him for two more years. Mm-hmm. He, if he wants to make a penny this year, he has to play. Yeah. So to- this won't go on that much longer. Right. Okay. Cause and then you can tag him next year. Mm-hmm. And the tag money is like 18 and a half million dollars. It's not like he's going to go to the poorhouse. Exactly. The other, you know, so, 
you know, they, the, the, the Bears have all the cards in this situation. All the cards, all the leverage. The other thing about acquiring Claypool, who's a player I like a lot. I really wanted him drafted by the Bears, but – he he's coming up on a contract situation. He's his contract ends in 2023 and the market for wide receivers is going to be out of this world. So you're actually it already is. It already is. Very true. So you're going to be trading for a wide receiver who's probably going to demand over $20 million in two seasons, and you've got to pay. No, no, it's going to be more like 25 if he puts up good numbers. I mean, that that's that's what and, and what hurt that is obviously that that one free agent signing, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the Jacksonville signed the guy from uh, 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 Arizona. Perfect. Yeah. And that that just pushed it off. And then because wow. of that guy's worth 18 million dollars. What am I worth? Mm. <laughs> That's right. So uh, Jordan says hi. As soon as we are signing off, Jordan comes on and says hi. Jordan, this show will be archived like all of our shows here are here at the Barroom Network, archived here on our Barroom Network YouTube channel. And of course, you can get audio versions wherever you get your audio podcast. Greg, it's been great talking with you. Um, and um, we will talk immediately after I roll the closing video. Uh, say goodbye to your fans, Greg. See you later. See you next week. Goodbye, everybody.